In repose, James Baldwin is an ugly man. He has been told so all his life. Long before he knew that being a Negro could be considered ugly in itself, that is, long before he was ten years old and two white policemen amused themselves by leaving me flat on my back in one of Harlem's empty lots. He had grown used to the cruel mirror held before him by his friends and by his father. At school, he learned that being darker than many of his classmates and smaller and smarter than any of them was no advantage. They called him frog eyes and beat him often. From his father, a fundamentalist Christian minister and implacably stern, he learned that his ugliness was the ugliness of sin that the intelligence shining from his strange, prominent eyes was the knowledge of the devil. You always, he now says sadly, take your estimate of yourself from what the world says about you. Those eyes still dominate his face. Everything in it, a high forehead sloping back from the nose, a chin receding slightly beneath a broad mouth, is in their trajectory and they can nail the attention of anyone within their range. Moving through a restaurant during a break in rehearsals of Blues for Mr. Charlie, his Broadway play, it seemed that the vitality of his gaze had infected the whole of his thin, wiry body. Even sitting dead still and thoughtful, he gave the impression of movement, of an energy barely controlled. He is a presence and in that presence it is suddenly difficult to know whether he is ugly or something close to beautiful. We sat at a large round table and talked around or through the arrivals of friends, actors, publicity agents, and waiters. It was two days before an opening that, at considerable expense, had been delayed twice and was about to be delayed again. Everyone had an urgent problem that only Jimmy could solve. Why weren't there any posters? When would a major script change go into rehearsal? Didn't the White Town party scene seem dull compared to the one in Blacktown? Who could replace an actor gone to the hospital? Baldwin listened intently to each petition, thought for a moment, answered, and smiled with an abrupt good humor that seemed to split his narrow face in two. In response to one mysterious whispered summons, she's very upset, baby, and she'll only talk to you. He crossed the street to the antitheater and returned, in a humor less good, to explain that the actor's studio had refused to finance another postponement. I just phoned my lawyer, and I'm going to put up the money out of my own pocket. There's a lot riding on this show. Those actors over there are depending on it. I'm putting part of the proceeds in trust for my nieces and nephews, and I put a lot of blood into it, baby, a lot of blood. The idea for the play, loosely based on the murder of Emmett Till and the acquittal of the murderer, who later disclosed how he committed the crime, came to Baldwin in 1958, but it wasn't until last year I blackmailed myself into doing it by telling everybody I was doing it that he began to write it. I worked in buses and planes and between speeches. I knew if I didn't keep at it, 
I might get seduced into thinking of myself as a civil rights leader.